Our March podcast focuses on one four-letter word, home. Home is our grounding, our base, our launch pad. It's where we start and end each day. While this month's podcast focuses on our individual homes, we acknowledge the need to connect with our larger home, Memphis, the Mid-South, and beyond. So here's a quick shout out to the local businesses and professionals who make our individual homes as well as our community grow and thrive. Three businesses doing their part are our guest on the March podcast. George Gaddis of Gaddis Home Solutions, William Ware with Worth Jones, founders of Ware Jones Real Estate, and interior designer Avni Pathak of Domus Interiors. Southern Trace Podcast welcomes conversations with these knowledgeable guests conducted by your River City Lifestyle team, Jeannie Tabor, Christian Owen, and Kit Garrett. Well, good morning. I'm Jeannie Tabor, Publication Director for River City Lifestyle. This month, the River City Lifestyle theme is home, and today I have the pleasure of talking to George Gaddis. George is a local small business owner who specializes in home technology. He has audiovisual, home automation, and networking services, as well as video surveillance and even outdoor lighting. So, George, tell us a little about your background and your inspiration for creating Gaddis Home Innovations. Hey, Jenny, thanks for having me. Um, you know, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I used to love, uh, I've always loved technology. I used to watch the Jetsons. I used to love the Six Million Dollar Man. Oh, I me was too. Loved, yeah, yeah. So it was great because, you know, I, I, I would get on my bike and I would just jump whatever I could because I figured if I lost an arm, I could always get a bionic arm or, you know what <laughs> I mean? So, so that was my goal. So I've always loved technology and, and technology is, you know, so vital to what we'd supposedly do now today. You know, I mean, if you don't, you've got to know it. You've, you've got to, whether it's email or computers and even people, you know, I'm in my 50s. So, you know, you, you have to do it. If not, you're going to get left behind. So that wasn't my career path. I, I started out in the medical business. I was in medical sales for 27 years and, um, you know, I loved it. But, you know, is it, I guess what, right before COVID, about six months before COVID, I said, you know, I'm ready to make a change, do something else. So I said, you know what, what can I do? What, what do I really enjoy doing? You know, I've always said, you know, you, you can either have a job or a career, you know, do something you love. Cause if you do something you love, you'll make money in it and you'll enjoy getting up in the morning. So, um, I said, I'm gonna start a technology business. Talked to a few friends and said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a try. So that's what I did. So, uh, two weeks after I got out of the medical business, I started it and then COVID hit. So I'm like, great. <clears throat> Good decision, George. So, but what I didn't realize was that COVID would absolutely introduce technology to people who had no clue. People didn't know what the word Zoom meant before technology, before COVID, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So then we were getting phone calls for, you know, uh, home networking and everything that we do. So that was kind of my foray into technology. It was kind of by accident that I really started the business, but it really... You know, I guess the rest is history. Isn't that so, interesting? So some is. unintended <clears throat> consequences of COVID that were positive. It was. It was. It, absolutely. That, you know, I thought I was doomed when COVID hit because yeah. I said, nobody's going to be buying. You know, we do audio visual and home network and all that. So no, people aren't going to buy that now. They're not working. They're not right. certainly going to spend any money. But then they were working from home. Then they're working from and home. They really and they're, the they're sitting in their house all day like, gee, it'd be nice to have some music. It'd be nice to have, you know, we need a new network because we're Zooming all the time. So it was amazing, you know, how it just all of a sudden snowballed. So, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, on your website, it says your goal is to simplify home systems to where the not-so-tech savvy person can operate them with ease. I love that mm -hmm. as a not-so-tech 
tech savvy person. Can you describe the the services you offer from that simplification standpoint? Yes, you know, so the problem is, is that I think a lot of people when they come into someone's home and, and they're trying to, is they, you know, as a salesman, the one thing I did learn is that you have to ask questions and listen to your customer. It's what they want. It's not what you want to provide them. So you go into a lot of homes and you just see they have all this technology that half of them don't need. They don't know how to operate, you know. And I'll go into a house and I'll be with someone like you and you have friends over and you're like, you know what, I just want to play some music. But I got to go through this ritual, you know, of pulling out 80 remotes or sitting here trying to figure out and you get frustrated and you don't want to do it anymore. So I said there has to be a simpler way. And, you know, there is because there's there, there's so many products now off the shelf that, you know, aren't proprietary, that aren't part of a control system that you see in a lot of houses that you can pull up on your phone. Your, your iPhone gives you the capability to do all that with simplicity, with absolute simplicity that people, you know, you don't need all those, uh, you know, the devices that we used to have, VCRs, nobody uses anymore. DVDs, nobody uses anymore. People don't even use cable boxes anymore. They stream everything. So it's, it's streamlining it and making it to where, you know what, all I have to do is turn on, have one remote, because normally you see four or five on a coffee table. Oh, yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. now you just have one remote, turn the TV on, get everything else comes into play. And it's a process. You know, they, they, they learn as they go. But you, we don't come in there and just install, you know, 100 devices and you're freaking out. You know, it's baby steps. Yeah. You know, once you get it, you know, with just a few items we install, then you're like, okay, I understand how it works now. And it all just piggybacks on top of it. So isn't that interesting? So mm-hmm. in some homes you're adding technology and in yes. other homes you're streamlining and saying We'll take out. Believe yeah. it or not, I'll come into a house and take out. I'm like, you don't need all this. You don't need this. And just let's simplify it. And it works so much better. Or you you need it, you want it, but you have one kind of system that's just for your outdoor lighting and one kind of system that's just for your TV and one Correct. kind of system that's just for your music. And, one, right. you know, it can go on right. and on and on. And I'm kind of in that boat. But you right. will take all of that, peel it back. Yes, yes. Put everything See, on your phone. Correct. And before the ad, you know, before we didn't have Alexa. Think about it. Alexa <laughs> and Google and all that kind of, you know, the Google Homes and all the Ring cameras. So, you know, that's still new. So if you wanted that, say, 10 years ago, you had to go to some of these companies and put in a whole control system. They'd come in, put, a, you know, the guts in your house. And, the, you know, and it was so confusing, so complicated. Anybody can go. You could walk into Best Buy or anywhere tomorrow and get you a Google Home. And now, you know, you can play music through it on the, you know, through your voice and do all that. So it's given the average homeowner now the capability to move into a little bit of technology and say, gee, that's every, you know, that's not, that's home automation. Yeah. You know, that's home automation. So Isn't that fascinating? without the, you know, uh, without being so complicated that you're just, you know, in it now it's baby steps. And like I said, you walk in every house, body's got Alexa's and Google homes and, yeah. you know, they have the lightings, they, you know, turn on with their voice. It, it, it's simple. Really but I like can. what you said. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if I had bought that operating system or whatever you mentioned earlier, if I have a problem, if I have a upgrade, <clears> if <throat> I want to change it, I have to go back to that. To that to, you have to go back to that person that installed it because it's all proprietary. It's programmed. It's a computer. And literally, they're, they're the only one. So if you're upset with – and I, I, that's my one thing that I tell all my customers. If, if you don't use me, fine. Use somebody – that doesn't have a proprietary system that you're stuck with. Because if you do, if you get upset with them, 
usually there's only one or two people in an area local. So you're going to have to go to Nashville or you're going to have to go to Little Rock or somewhere and bring them in because they're the only ones that can work on it. But you make it easier. You make it to where I can go to the Best Buy and get the universal you could, absolutely. type of yes. um, or, remote and yes, use it. Yes, or you can call, you know, you could have, you know, your your kids could do it. if they. You know what I mean? They can come in. I've had that happen many times where yeah. I call a customer up. It's like, no, my son did it. Mm-hmm. And my daughter got it fixed. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's... It, it's just what you're using every day. It's just yeah. putting it together to where you understand it's simplified, but it, it's not like it's, you know, uh, you know, it, it's not like you sit here and have to say, gee, I've got to, you know, find the, the magic wand to get this stuff to work. But it's, 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 you can pull it up on, you know, the internet and look it up and pull the directions up and all that and find parts for it, yeah. replace it, whatever. It's not, nothing's proprietary. But then again, you do say I or my children could do all of these things by ourselves and we could, mm-hmm. but if I hire you and I put yes. it in my calendar and I say you're going to come and help me work through this system, right. set it up, make sure I know how to troubleshoot Correct. it, that service has got to be. Yes, you know, we, we'll put it together and kind of well. get you. We kind of, you know, we'll, we'll get you, uh, you know, rolling and get you, you know, the process going and get it to where, you know, you understand it, use it. And then, but many of my customers, the last person you want to see in your house is me. If your technology, <laughs> if we put in a ton of stuff and it doesn't work. You don't ever want to see George Gattis again. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's why we start with a few things. And most of my customers call me up and say, oh, my God, I want to add this now because I love it. I understand. I want to put music out on the, the patio because it's so easy to use. So that's what I mean by the kid. The kids will go and get something and add to that once we kind of set it up because now everybody kind of understands it. Yes. You know, and I did do some research. Mm-hmm. I did call some friends who okay. have used you mm-hmm. and they were so effusive oh, with praise for mm-hmm. you for mm-hmm. that very thing. Mm-hmm. They they all started out kind of smaller. Hey, mm-hmm. I need a Google home. Hey, I need Correct. a TV upgrade. Right. And next thing you know, you're doing everything and then they have mm-hmm. other things they're about to call you yeah, they, on. They, they enjoyed it and they do want to add. And, and that's that's what really, that's where I, I get the most you know enjoyment out of it is seeing my customers like, you know what? It's so easy that I want them to use it. I don't want to put it in there. Then they're like, it's just another piece of equipment they bought, you know what I mean? And they yeah. don't get to enjoy it, you know? So we all enjoy our music, you know, having a glass of wine and sitting there listening. But if it's complicated and it's frustrating, then, <clears throat> you know what, it's it's not worth even putting in. So why do it? So you got to make it easy. It's got and, to be easy. And when do the problems occur? It is when you're 7 o'clock on a Friday night Correct. with a glass of wine. <clears throat> and these friends told me that whenever they would text <clears throat> you or call you, on the weekends, in mm-hmm. the evenings, mm-hmm. you texted or called them mm-hmm. right back. Mm-hmm. You'd come over if there really was a problem, yeah. but most times you were yeah. able to kind of quickly and easily it, it, help them solve. You the can, problem. and that's another thing that every all this is. You know, the the, the iPhone gives you the capability. I've had customers call me up. You know, iPhone has a new um, has the iPhone now has a new capability where you can screen share. So if you're stuck and you can't do something. Before, I really couldn't see what you were looking at. Now, I just FaceTime you, and then you hit a button and screen share. I can see your screen. So I'm not saying it's the little yellow thing at the bottom like old (laughs) people do. And you're like, you're talking one technology. I'm talking a different technology. On your phone, and I can see your screen. I can see what you're doing. So it's great because I can be anywhere remotely do it. You know, obviously, I got to have your permission. Nobody's getting into your phone (laughs) without, you know. So, but yeah, so it, it makes it. You know, so much easier, but you have to be there for your customers. You know, and that's one of the, another thing is that this is not labor intensive or, or, you know, techie where I have to keep going back and keep going back. Where I, I see that a lot in some of these homes with these big control systems. They're there all the time because it's con- there's so many moving parts and so many pieces to it that, yeah. you know, you're constantly going back, constantly going back. 
Yeah. You know, so that's, I don't want to, I tell my customers, I'm like that Maytag repair. I don't want ever to see you again. <laughs> I love you know it. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So hopefully I'm just sitting there, just, hey, no phone calls. Nobody's having any issues. So well, you mentioned the screen sharing <clears throat> as mm-hmm. a, you know, new, new um, uh-huh. element of the technology. <clears throat> Have there been any other new things that your our listeners might not know about? Are there trends coming that we need to be oh, yeah. thinking about? It, it's, it, it's, it's. It's great and it's scary. Some of the stuff, you know, the technology that's that's out there, you know, for um, and you know, it's like anything else. If you use it to your benefit, you know, and it can. And I remember re- I was reading an article recently about you know uh, the FBI director during nine eleven didn't even use email, and that was one of the reasons why we didn't have all that tech. Not, nobody shared technology and knew about much how to put it together to stop something like that, you know, so it, you can use technology as it's a great resource. It can also be, you know, you have kids putting stuff on or you have, you know, predators look at using the iPhone for other things. So, you know, uh, getting into people's, you know, they say to get into phones, they don't, that's, you know, it's, it's very hard to get in the phone, but you know, I tell parents all the time, you take a picture of your, your child somewhere and you post that that's tagged that photo where that child is GPS it's tagged. So anybody can say, gee, I know exactly where that photo was taken. So, you know, it, it's, it's got as good as bad too. It's, it's gotta be monitored. And, you know, that's why some of the network stuff we put in, parents have that ability to shut that down. You know, they can turn all that off. They can monitor what's coming in through their home for their, what's coming in through their kids' phones, which is a, it's, it's very, you, you really do because there's so much out there. Once it's out there, it's out there. You're never getting it back. Yeah. It's never coming back. So you know, it, it's nice to be able to monitor that stuff. So absolutely. Well, you're kind of mm-hmm. moving into sort of a safety area. Yeah. So let's talk about that for mm-hmm. a while. What mm-hmm. all is included in your coming to visit a home who says, Hey, I'm a little worried about the crime these <laughs> days. Help me out. What yeah. should I do? What kind of things are you? You know, I tell my cousin, you know, you, number one, you know, cameras are great. You know, I call camera the, 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 uh, it's the digital DNA because you, once you see somebody on film, that you, what are you going to say to the judge? That's not me. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. like you find DNA at a, you know what I mean? So a video evidence is now, is, is it going to deter? It might, it has, and you know, there's been, you know, studies out there showing that cameras do deter, but for anything, it's just evidence that, Hey, this occurred, this happened to where there's so someone can have an option to say, Hey, we need to go back and look at this. Cause look, it's happened to me. I've had things stolen and I had no clue they were gone or where they went. And I pull up my video cameras. And I said, Oh my God, somebody came in and took something out of my truck or, you know, whatever. So it's great. It's, you know, but it, it, now I tell everybody just, you have to be vigilant. You can't rely on just the camera. You can't rely on just an alarm. You know, you have to take, uh, you don't have to invest in your own safety. I don't rely. The police are over, under, you know, they're overworked, you know, and underpaid and, there's just not enough of them. So I'm not going to rely on them to protect me. You have right. to do things yourself to protect you and your family. Absolutely. You know. Well, in addition to the cameras, mm-hmm. what else do you recommend for the for the homeowner? You know, light, light your house up. You know, crooks like they, they love cockroaches come out at dark is what I say. <laughs> so, I mean, crook, they love to come out when there's, you know, they don't want noise. You know, they won't. That's what they, they don't want a barking dog. Get a dog if you can. You yeah. know, um, <clears throat> even if it's a little yap dog as much as I don't like them, but I've got two of them. But. You know, um, light your place up. You got to, you know, cut those bushes that are in the fr- It's A lot of it's common sense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a lot of it. You got to think like a, you know, like a thief does, like a crook does. And I tell everybody the same thing. If you watch those National Geographic shows, you see those lines. They're back laying down in the weeds and they're watching that little gazelle walk by. <laughs> and yeah. they're no different. They're predators. Mm-hmm. And you have to be, 
you know, it's either you be a lamb or you be the lion. Right. You know what I mean? And right. I'd much rather be the lion. So you have to take those measures. Yeah. You know, it's that type. You have to take stock and invest in your own safety. You right. know, because nobody else is going to do it for you. That's a good point. You know? So yeah. specifically for for your house, you're talking about video cameras and lighting and yes. surveillance systems. Yes. What about outside that? I know you think a lot about safety. Mm-hmm. Are there other things that you could just tell our listeners, hey, I've thought a lot about this and mm-hmm. it may not necessarily be your business, mm-hmm. but what are the things you're out there telling your daughter, yeah. out there telling your wife, your and, friends? And, and you know what? And um I've talked about this before that, you know, when I was 16 years old, I had a a 15-year-old sister that was kidnapped. So I've been a victim. You know, and once you're a victim, you either, like, you either can go be scared to death the rest of your life or you can say, you know what, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. And that's kind of, you know, that was a big turning point in my life because I said, you know what, I'm not going to allow someone to to take advantage of or try to harm. We'll do everything I can. That's why my house is like a fortress. I mean, I have (laughs) German shepherds. I have cam. You know what I mean? Because you do. You have to, you know, my daughter, uh, going back to the iPhone, I put something on her phone to where, and it's available to everybody that, you know, if she's ever pulled over or stopped, all she's got to do is tell the phone I'm being pulled over. The phone goes dark. The camera comes on. It automatically sends me a GPS of where she's located, you know, and it records the entire conversation. You know, it's just, you know, don't, if, if you're someone pull, does try to pull you over, don't pull over on the side of the road. Go into a parking lot. A policeman's not going to be upset if you do that. Now, don't outrun them, but if you drive slow and you can pull into a public area, you know, some of those things. Because, you know, it, it's you, you, it's 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 not the June and, and uh, you know, the, the old beaver day. <laughs> right. You know, leave it Ward. to beaver. Ward, uh-huh. Yeah, it's those days are gone, yeah. unfortunately. Yes. You can't go out there and ride your bike till the street lights come on yeah. and come home. You know what I mean? Yes. Unfortunately, those days are, you know, so... Um, it, it's, it's a scary world and you have to be, you know, prepared for, but you know, like I said, it's, it's common sense. It's really is common sense. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you see women walking with their purse, just hanging over their shoulder. I mean, you know, you have to be vigilant that someone out there is watching you at all times because they are, yeah. you're that, you're that gazelle and you know, that line somewhere way in the weeds, yeah. unfortunately. Well, goodness, that must have been a traumatic thing to have gone through at, at that young age. Oh yeah. It yeah. sounds like it did yeah. sort of inform your decision to become a small business owner and mm-hmm. to, to but have you, safety. And like I said, you can use that. You can either, you know, cower in the corner or you can say, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. And I'm not going to let that happen again. Because yeah. if you become, if you stay the victim and you stay the lamb, then that's what, then they've won. That's what they want. Yeah. They want to put fear is, you know, that that's what they want. They want to put everyone in fear because people that are in fear aren't going to, you're frozen. You're not going to do anything. Right. You know, it's the ones that stand up and fight and, that's when you normally, when that happens, <clears throat> they run, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, coming full circle to our conversation. So you really are the whole automate we my do. home. We, come, come do everything from security to entertainment mm-hmm. to all of those you, items. You, you know, and it, <clears throat> it all links together because, you know, all your alarm systems now are pretty much, you know, wireless or, you know, they run off, you know, they work off internet or cellular TVs. People don't have cable boxes anymore. They're streaming Netflix. They're streaming YouTube TV. So you got to have a good network. you got to have good Wi-Fi. That's the one thing I'm sure you have kids. They complain, Mom, the Wi-Fi is terrible. I can't get <laughs> yeah. a couple, you know. Right. So, um, and if you if you don't have good Wi-Fi, none of that's going to work, okay. you know. And so if you don't have good, you know, if your, your music's not playing, your Wi-Fi. So it all does work together. Your cameras aren't going to work correctly if you don't, mm-hmm. you know. So it is. It's it's. We start off with networking and stuff and make sure your house, that's there. Because if that's not there in today's age, Nothing's go- nothing else is going to work because it's right. all based on you're zooming. All it's, it's all based off networking. 
Well, I'm so. glad you started that small mm-hmm. business, and I feel like we may be your next customer. Those are a lot of <laughs> a lot of interesting things right. to think mm-hmm. about. I it sounds like you benefited from COVID, and you're glad you went out on your own. You mm-hmm. left a successful career. Mm-hmm in the medical field, mm-hmm. but what are the challenges and benefits of being a small business owner in Memphis? It's, I think for any small business owner, it's, you know, number one, you know, it, it's, it's hard because now I've gone from a, a company that, you know, I, I had full benefits, health insurance, disability insurance, life insurance, um, you know, that was a shocker. And then, you know, you're doing everything. You're the president, you're the secretary, and the janitor, and, you know, you have <laughs> yeah. to do everything, you know? So, because um, it's so expensive to, to hire employees and to have, you know, because you got to provide all those benefits now that, for them. So it's it's difficult. So um, what about the job market? Hiring people, how is that right now? It, it's, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been tough. COVID, it's hard to find. It's hard mm-hmm. to find good people who want to, who, who want to get in this industry and, um, I mean, it, it's such, there's so many place ways that you can take this and go into other directions. You know what I mean? It's not, you don't necessarily have to do this, but you know, cause we do computer services, you know, just networking alone. Cause everything that we do is not going away. It's going to be transferable to really any other. Correct. Job. Exactly. Okay. Well, yeah. for yeah. people who are listening, who may be interested, mm-hmm. what kind of qualifications would you want to see in an applicant? We'd well, like, you know, somebody's got some tech, you know, you have to be able to work a computer and, you know, no, no, you know, know what Wi-Fi is and stuff like that. So, I mean, we're willing to train anybody, but, you know, it, you have to be able to, um, you know, to, it, it's an understanding of just how tech, some, you know, have some technical background, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. We've had people that, um, you know, they'll come in, oh, I hate, I, I don't have even have an iPhone or anything. Well, you know, you have to, you have to embrace it and enjoy it and like it because if you don't, it's just, it's going to be a job and not a career. You're not going to enjoy it. So yes. I want somebody who wants to come in and, you know, if they want to go start their own business, fine. But, you know, come in and learn it. And, uh, and look, I don't know everything. Come in and teach me something. You know what I mean? There's yeah. always people out there that, you know, uh, that can yeah, come in Yeah, how do and you learn them. what's happening? You know, you said you're 50. I'm yeah, in my yeah, 50s. Yeah, it's well, it's trickier to I'm 50 plus. So. Beat me too. Be on the edge of, of right. technology. How do you yeah. how do you get your info? You know, I do a lot of reading. I read magazines, manuals a lot. You know, just to see what's out there and just talk to other people. And you know, it it's I go to shows um, because it's changing so fast. I mean, right. it, it's changing so fast. You know, um, I, I I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing that, you know, the, the things that are out there, what's going to be out there in another 10 years. My dad always jokes about that. He says, God, I wish I was born in, you know, 2023 instead of 1930. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Because, I mean, he sees what's come. And it's not, I mean, it's it's amazing. There's more computing power in this iPhone than there was on the Apollo 11 mission. Oh, my God. I mean, that's amazing. Yes, you know, that's incredible. That's, it's amazing how far we And I gone. use about 2% probably <laughs> of my capabilities. <laughs> right, exactly um, so. Well, George, is there anything else I haven't thought to ask you that you want to tell our listeners? No, it's been uh, you've been great. I really appreciate being here. Um, and just you know what, if anybody you know um, wants our services, you know we uh, you can go to our website is gaddishome.com and or uh, then call me, call my cell phone nine zero one four eight one zero five seven zero and. We'd be more happy to come out and take a look and see what we can, you know, how we can help out. So, well, great. Well, yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed have talking to you, have and too. I've learned a lot. Thank yep. you so much. Thank you for so taking much, the time. Yeah. I appreciate it. Next. So many questions pull us in many directions when it comes to buying and selling a home in 2023. 
Fortunately, William Ware and Worth Jones, founders of the Ware Jones real estate firm in Memphis, Tennessee, have some answers. Thanks, Christian, for having us. Uh, we're excited to be here at Young Avenue Sound Studio. I've been in real estate for 12 years. William and I partnered and started Ware Jones in December of 2021. That's hard to believe. Um, so we just finished our first sort of calendar year uh, in the industry, and we uh, we really we started Ware Jones to create a culture of familial support. We really want the agents at Ware Jones to feel supported and encouraged. And we also offer a lot of uh, technology, I feel like, that is unique to brokerages. But we also wanted to sort of be a, a boutique firm. And I know that phrase gets used a lot, but for us, it's just a close-knit environment. It's a, it's a fa- family environment and uh, really encouraging agents to be their best and to give the best customer service they can to their clients. Yeah, like Ware said, we we started this in December 2021, which is crazy. But before that, I uh, had been in real estate for a few years. I think I started in 2013, which is hard to believe it's been that long. And then, yeah, we just decided that we, we kind of wanted to create something new and different in Memphis. And uh, that's how we landed landed on starting Ware Jones. And it's been an exciting ride so far. Well, it's obviously a good fit because y'all are doing well in just <laughs> I one hope year. So. It's, it seems to be a good fit so far. Y'all hit quite a milestone fairly recently, right? I don't want to say the number, but I know it was uh, how much sold within less than a year? Yeah, we we hit a bunch of milestones we did not expect to hit. Um, and while well, we probably don't want to talk numbers exactly, it's been an incredible year, um, and we're, we are super grateful and you know thankful for all of our all the support we've been given and for all of our uh, clients and especially more so grateful for all of our agents that we have because we, we truly have one of the best teams in Memphis. Yeah, for sure. We were we grew to forty six agents, and they they truly are the best. I mean, they're 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 the best of the best, and the way they operate their businesses um, is really inspiring and we we would not have had the year that we had without them and um, it's really an amazing team it's a lot of support but uh, those the the agents are amazing it sounds sure. like what you were interested in which is being basically an entrepreneur in your individually run business as an agent is kind of what y'all allow your agents to do that makes a lot of sense. I'd never thought about that, but they're basically all their individual own businesses. Yeah. So each agent is, you know, 1099, basically an independent contractor. As a real estate agent, you pretty much run your own business. We just kind of provide the tools and the platform to allow you to do that in, you know, the most successful way possible. I have a question from somebody who does not speak the language of real estate very well, admittedly. Should I buy a house in 2023? Should I sell a house in 2023? That's kind of a big question, right? Uh, I know it's a loaded question, so maybe I can try. The answer is yes. (laughs) How do you compare 
today's market to last year? What changed? And are those changes dictated by the supply and demand issues that we hear about all the time? Interest rates, both. I think there are so many influencers in those two questions and answering those two questions. Can y'all give us a few key indicators of where 2023 is headed and why, and maybe compare it a little bit to last year? Yeah, I mean, that's this year is totally different than last year as far. And, and I think interest rates has a lot to do with that. You know, we've we still have a shortage of inventory just because of the way Memphis is. And, you know, last year was different with interest rates being so low. There was, you know, more active buyers at the time and it was way more competitive, which is, that's, you know, changed a little bit since over the last few months. And I think the biggest factor in that has been interest rates. Um, what do you think the same? Yeah. So, I mean, if real estate is anything, it's local. Um, so, you know, when you're talking about the Memphis market or the Memphis area market, which would include Germantown, Carryville, Lakeland, Arlington, Atoka, uh, Millington, Bartlett, even, you know, some parts of North Mississippi, you know, the, the market here has done extremely well in 2022. And with the rise in interest rates, what that has done is it's shrunk the pool of buyers and shrinking the pool of buyers has increased inventory a little bit, but not dramatically. I mean, we're still well below our normal inventory levels and even in a healthy housing market. So fewer buyers, a little more, a little more inventory. What that's it's created a balanced market. And that's actually probably a healthy thing because before in the first and second quarters of 2022, which was sort of the, the, the end of the sort of crazy hot housing market that we've seen for two and a half years, you were seeing buyers having to compete. Average number of offers on a listing was four to five and was definitely not outside norms for buyers to have to go 25, 50, sometimes $75,000 over list price to win in a competing environment and also is to be a competitive offer to a seller in a competitive environment you're taking out, you know, things like repairs and appraisal contingencies and that sort of thing. So uh, a lot of that has gone away, and that's created more balance to where even buyers can have inspection periods, ask for repairs, make their contract contingent on appraisal. If you're, they're interested in a house that's been on the market for 60 or 90 days, then the buyer automatically is thinking, okay, I can negotiate price here. So even though they may be paying a higher interest rate, they're able to get a whole lot more from the result of the contract to where at the end of the day, yes, higher rate, but I'm not having to pay 50000 or $75,000 more to get it. I can perhaps negotiate a little bit on the repair side of things if the inspections don't quite go my way. So I, I think in you know, when you sort of balance all these things, it's, it's, it's a creating a healthy market really is what it's done. Yeah. I did go through this process last spring of 2022 with my son and everything seemed to be an emergency. Whereas 
I do agree it's probably more balanced to be able to have a little back and forth in the buying and selling process. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, a few months ago, people were having to, you know, make a decision about a house within an hour or two, which is super stressful. I mean, it's the biggest investment, you you know, a person is going to make. And so having to decide whether or not you're going to make an offer on it within an hour or two is, was super stressful. And that's kind of gone away now. Um, but like we said, the contingency removals and, and um, buyers not being able to ask for repairs and um, that that's gone away and it, it has balanced it out. You know, it's not a seller's market per se anymore. It's pretty even keel. So when I mentioned my thought that maybe supply chain connects in some way, I guess I was thinking more of building. Is there a lot of new building going on now or is that limited because of supply chain issues? I think most of the supply chain issues have kind of balanced out a little bit, to be honest. And I think I think the supply chain issues more than anything were a driving a, a driver for inflation, you know, and so that allowed housing the, the end result of a new home bill to become much more expensive because materials were expensive fuels fuel to get the or logistics to get the materials to the site more expensive uh, all of those issues were compounding on each other most builders are pretty confident right now i mean i think the ones that i talk to are are very excited about the future um I've talked to several builders recently that have a lot of developments in key locations that uh, they're very excited about that will be coming on and, you know, with, within this year and early next year. And we need, we need good houses. Uh, we need, we need, you know, our inventory, like I said earlier, and like William has said, is still very low, even compared to, you know, a, a healthy housing market. And new, new builds certainly help that. Uh, we would, we would be well to have new construction in a myriad of price ranges. It seems like a lot of the new construction, specifically in Memphis and Germantown and parts of Cargoville, tend to be on the on the higher side of the price range. And that's just part because the initial cost to buy the development is so expensive. You know, the the land is is expensive. So, but I think on the outskirts of the Metroplex, um, Hernando, Piperton, you know, you're seeing builders that are doing some amazing developments out there with, you know, less price. And what I mean is Germantown, East Memphis, Carrierville, new construction tends to be, you know, north of 700. Piperton, Hernando probably fall somewhere in the 350 to 450 range. So, no, I think I think new construction is is um, in builder confidence is certainly a lot better and stronger than it was four months ago. But I also think that builders learned a real lesson in the 2006 2008 housing crisis where they're not buying spec they're not building spec homes like like they were. So it's a very conservative approach. You know, a, a developer develops a subdivision. They invite a few builders to participate. Those builders aren't just building homes, w- hoping for buyers to come. They're waiting for buyers to, you know, enter into a contract with them, and then they build the house. So it becomes sort of a protected, a protected market in that sense. I'm thinking that this conversation is a bit like 
the agent-client relationship, does that partnership really have a beginning and an end? It might, or, or does it extend beyond the window of time in which that client is buying or selling a house? I think the agent-client relationship is definitely extends beyond the closing date. You know, the closing date being the date for the buyer or the seller actually move or get the keys to the new home or relinquishing keys to the buyer. I mean, a lot of our clients become very close friends, even through this transaction and beyond. Um, and we always want to be a resource for our clients if they need help with um, renovations or interior design, or, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about uh, renovating my kitchen, but I'm not really sure, is it going to add value to my house? Or, you know, same conversation about bathrooms or um, even curb appeal aspects. And so I think, you know, calling your agent and having that conversation with them would actually be really a wise thing because, you know, agents are constantly in the market. We're seeing different things and we can help folks make decisions, whether they're getting their ready to, house ready to sell or not. We certainly want our clients to make, you know, smart decisions when it comes comes to their home. And, and uh, so, yeah, we work on those relationships and encourage constant conversations with folks. And, you know, I love, um, I love celebrating when new babies come along and, and um, clients that reach milestones, either in their careers or personal life or marriage or, you know, whatnot, it's, it's fun. So it's a, it's definitely a relationship that extends beyond real estate and certainly beyond the closing date. Sounds like being a real estate agent is not just entrepreneurial and running your own business. It's also you kind of have to be a people person, right? Yes. You definitely have to be a people person. Uh, and like Work said, you know, so many clients do become such great friends. And, and that's one of the best parts about the business. You know, it's not just helping you buy or sell and then getting to the closing table. It uh, becomes a lifelong relationship, uh, which is pretty cool. It makes this business very interesting makes this business more interesting. It's what I like most about it is um, developing relationships with new people and, and meeting people from all different parts of the city and love helping people moving in from out of town. Uh, it's a great way to, to show off Memphis. So you have to be ambassadors for the city as well. Yeah. In a way. Absolutely. One-on-one. -on -one. But yeah, it's it, this business being a, a, you know, people business is, is definitely one of the things that I like most about it. So no matter the state of things, sometimes you must buy and sometimes you must sell, whether they have examined the market and decided it's time or not. Uh, what are some tips for all of these scenarios um, that you can give to our listeners? I don't know if you can discuss buy and sell at the same time. It's probably <laughs> uh, a bit different, but I guess if you're going to sell your house, you might tell them, hey, let's get you all staged up and ready, as you said, maybe fix some things, work on the mm -hmm. kitchen, curb appeal. What are some initial tips that you would give someone who says, I'm thinking about selling my house? Decluttering. <laughs> right. Oh, really? Right. Okay. Uh, so, you know, amazing. And I, I'm guilty of it myself, how much stuff accumulates in a house over years. And when you walk into a house, you want it to feel as big and spacious as possible. And a lot of times things end up in closets that you haven't seen for seven to 10 years. One of the biggest things we help people with is obviously getting their house ready to sell and um, decluttering, I think, is one of the biggest things. Obviously, there's maintenance and, you know, if there's peeling paint outside and rotted wood, stuff of that nature will we'll help our clients take care of that. 
because we want the house to look as good as it possibly can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, William is exactly right. I would, I would add that selling your house or getting your house ready to be sold is, is sort of a, it's a shift in mindset because, you know, the house, even though it's yours and will be yours until closing date, if you're, if you're going to sell it, you're going to enter into sort of a different mindset. Well, now my house is about to belong to the market. You know, this, this big moving target that is constantly shifting and changing, whose tastes are changing and it's sort of this fluid thing. And that's why, you know, one of your first steps would be to contact an agent that you know, like, and trust, invite them over, preferably perhaps even two or three months before you want to sell your home so that that agent can give you a perspective on, okay, this is what the market is sort of telling us that your house would really want to look like. Tips on decluttering, tips on curb appeal, staging, you know, trying to get the home prepared for the market so we can present the house in its best possible light to a myriad of potential buyers is, is going to be a, a win-win. So it's, it's, you know, and, and when a house is on the market, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of clients will say, well, gosh, you know, I don't, I don't live like this, this, you know, but, um, it can be difficult sometimes, but you, you want to present it to the market in its best possible way. And that's not typically how we live day to day. So <laughs> trying to, uh, I did, I did it with a six-month-old. That's right. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> and I'm in the business. That was fun. <laughs> do you all have staging experts in your firm, or do you contact people to help with that, and interior designers? Yeah, I mean, that, we have some local stagers in, in town that are in the business that, that um, we'll recommend. And I've used a couple of different interior decorators before, but we don't have anybody on, like, staff other than ourselves, but it's kind of funny. I didn't, uh, you feel like you start to dabble in the decorating and staging business as an agent, because we're going to always try to help your house look, you know, the best it possibly can. And a lot of times that is making it look bigger. And what, one of the things I would highlight is, I mean, especially where Jones, we, we really take a, a team approach to listings. I mean, you know, there'll be, a lot of times where even though the client is hiring a specific agent, that agent will bring in, you know, a group of us to come and tour the house, give opinions on uh, things that the sellers can do to enhance it, pricing guidance. And that I, that's a real unique culture um, to where Jones, in, in my opinion. And um, so it's not just each agent has sort of a a list. I kind of equate it to like hiring a contractor. You know, the contractor's got a list of electricians and plumbers and framers and all kinds of guys, sheetrock guys, all kinds of people that can do different things for different projects. And hiring a real estate agent is very similar. We've got lists of stagers, photographers, uh, landscape folks. I mean, anything that you would need to get your home ready, we've got an inventory of, of vendors who are ready, willing, and able to help. But also we have a team of other agents who are active in the market who can come in and, you know, with us brainstorm, okay, maybe let's, let's tweak this. Let's move this over here. Perhaps consider this as a price range to make a more broad market appeal. What have been some favorite client experiences to date for Ware Jones or for y'all individually? Maybe a standout client? 
I would say for me, it's probably last year and the year before was able to help three or four of my best friends find their quote unquote forever homes. And being able to be a part of that experience is pretty cool. Knowing that that they are going to plant roots there and, and grow their families. And it, it's it's a very special experience to be involved in. What is your firm's unique mission and your mantra, philosophy, overriding motivation for you and your agents? I would say you're worth it. I wanted, wanted to create an environment that truly felt like a family and a place where everyone felt supported whether you're new to the business or if you've been in it for you know 20 plus years things are constantly changing and whether it's technology or contracts or all of the above but we really wanted to create something special and and a place where everybody felt comfortable because at the end of the day we, you know we all work together um as one big family and that might not answer your question exactly but maybe it laid the groundwork yeah exactly right that kind of goes really speaks to the the culture that I think where Jones aspires to. Training is a big deal for us. You know, we've got two folks at the company who are agents, but they're also really, really good at training. Uh, One prefers to teach in a classroom setting and she'll put together these amazing classes that are always a lot of fun, but you also walk away learning a lot that you know, real takeaways from those. You feel very encouraged after each one. for sure. And uh, we have another agent who prefers one-on-one training, and he's available if an agent needs help with a client uh, or with certain technology issues or I I need help pricing this house. You know, can you help me with with the comparables and think about how to look at this situation? And he's really gifted at, at that sort of one-on-one uh, training. So that's that's one of the things that we really wanted to uh, offer agents in an effort to support and encourage them. And then the other thing that's really important to William and to me is that we, we wanted to encourage and support being active in Memphis. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, giving back financially, but also our time. You know, we just the other day, had a work day at Memphis Athletic Ministries, MAM, in partnership with Choose 901, the 901 Fund, and Give 901, and that was uh, that was a lot of a lot of fun. We've done volunteer work, sort of like that. We try to do it at least once a quarter. But there are you know a myriad of organizations that our agents support, and we try to get behind those as well. Um, Wolf River Conservancy, Memphis Teacher Residency. St. Jude, Southern Rains, Methodist Hospice. How many think of some others, William? There are a lot. Um, it's a good thing you have a big team so, to make it all of those Carpenter, places. Carpenter, Art Garden, uh, Lasso Community Center. Uh, we did a project there where we brought food for one of their dinners and um, some agents went to serve at that community, which they do an amazing work. It's Arts Memphis. Arts Memphis, yeah. And we really wanted to encourage our, our agents and us as a company to invest in the city and, and support all these amazing nonprofits that are all over the, the communities doing different amazing things. Think about Advanced Memphis doing job training. and we wanted, wanted, you know, to, wanted to give back to the city that we love and place that allows us to do what we love. It sounds like, even though I didn't give y'all a heads up on this, uh, because the issue's not out yet, but 
we are talking about the home in March, hence real estate. <laughs> and we right. we definitely make reference to and acknowledge that home is just not the building. It is not just the building that we live in. It's also our larger home. And we want to connect with you know Memphis, the Mid-South and beyond. But community is also our home collectively. So mm-hmm. it sounds like you all have the same philosophy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So how do people get in touch? And this might be a good time to tell us a little bit about something you just shared. And that is that y'all are starting a blog. Yeah. So we, uh, we've got a website, just wherejones.com. And we have a awesome office building at Poplar and Colonial that anybody is welcome to stop in. You know, we're there Monday through Friday from nine to five. We've got social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and we are in the process of starting a blog. <laughs> uh, now that, I've put a deadline my on it. That esteemed colleague Worth will <laughs> be right. in charge of. Coming in March. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, we're easy to get in touch with and, you know, we would we'll, we'll love to talk to any and everybody. Yeah. So I want to conclude with, is there anything y'all would like to share with our listeners that I may have forgotten to ask? It's a loaded question. <laughs> Open-ended. Uh, I, I, would, I already would, nailed all the hot spots. Yeah, but. yeah, for sure. I would encourage people not to read the headlines and think that that necessarily is indicative of what is happening in Memphis and the Memphis area. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people are very scared that there's going to be some kind of housing crisis. We don't see that happening. Not at all. Actually, this February, you know, to date, we've had more closings this year than we did last year. If that's any indicator of the market. Mm -hmm. Perception wise, that is, if you You would think it would be different. uh, Actually, it's uh, we've already beat February of last year. Yeah. Yeah. And that was as of yesterday. Right. No, I mean, as, as an, as an MLS, even locally, you know, our sales volume is down 40%. Pricing is down a little bit, maybe like 8%. The trending months previous, we've seen volume down in the 30% range, but pricing was, was still up. So we do feel like pricing is stabilizing and the market's kind of helping buyers. We feel like more normalcy is in the market now. So, no, I think in, you know, our, like William indicated, I mean, our volume is better than last year. So I think, uh, you know, where Jones agents are the best and they're performing like they are. Do y'all feel like you could comment on buying and selling and the market in our area as compared to uh, nearby, the Mid-South compared to, say, other locations in the South, or even you said real estate is local. Mm-hmm. Are you better off to be in this market in our area than in some other locations across the country, even close by in the South? I mean, I would say yes, because I'm biased to Memphis, and mm-hmm. it's Memphis is a, is a great city. You know, I love the city with my whole heart, but we have so many cool things happening here while still having a, you know, relatively low cost of living mm-hmm. compared to other cities, which makes us a unique city in general. Do you probably work a lot with people if they're coming from out of town? A lot of those people, I bet, are connected to the medical. Community. Yeah, so we, we, we deal with a lot of doctors, you know, who are either coming here for med school or they're coming here to do a, a residency or a, fe- or a fellowship and you know they tend to be on the younger side i guess and but I, I think it's a mixture of all different ages 
I don't, yeah, you're not necessarily seeing a bunch of people retiring to Memphis, even though right. it could be a great place to retire to. You see some, though, because their kids have moved here and the grandkids are here and they want to be near the grandkids. But uh, and, and again, just like William said, Memphis has such a low cost of living. It's very – in state agency doesn't have an inc- a state income tax, so it's it's a, uh, can be a, a great option for, for retirees, actually. 2021, we were – the number one destination or top three for millennials moving Nashville prices a lot of people out of the market and uh, you know if you're looking for a city with a lot of culture it's definitely here in Memphis I like to say in general that Memphis is innately cool and all of these other big cities across the country have to work at it (laughs) Uh, I couldn't agree more (laughs) with that (laughs) Thank you all so much for carving out some time today to be with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. Yeah, Billboard and Blog. Billboard's come in in April. Blogs is in March. Billboard's <laughs> in April. Yes. Yeah. You'll see it. Don't miss it. We know the way home. For the finishing touches on your home, we have insider information from Avni Pathak, founder of Domus Interiors and Design. Don't miss a minute of a delightful conversation between Avni and River City Lifestyles publication manager, Kit Garrett, who happens to be a brand new homeowner herself. sitting down with Avni um, today, and we are going to talk a little bit about what she does here in Memphis um, with her business. And so I would love for you to kind of tell us what you do and just start off with uh, a background about what you do. Morning. Um, hey, I'm Avni Pathak of Domus Interiors and Design. Um, I do mostly commercial design. Every now and then I'll pick up a residential project. Um my specialty is in restaurant and bar design and in retail design. Um, and then every now and then I'll pick up a doctor's office or a some type of healthcare project. Um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Amazing. Such a wide variety. For the spaces that you've done in Memphis, tell us some of the spaces you've already done. Okay. Um, around Memphis, I have done... And the last one that we've just completed was Chow Bella, um, which is a, we did, they took their old location and they closed that one down and we took over the old Fox and Hound. And so that was a complete demolition and a full redesign of that one. We, um, I've done all of the Gray's locations. We've got one here in Memphis and then we're opening, we just opened Nashville and then um, we're getting one done in Franklin. Oh, amazing. Um, so that's been super fun yeah. um, to kind of go with their brand and follow that through the Completely. different locations. What does it look like from city to city for that? Do you remain as consistent as possible? Do you try to tailor it towards the city? Tailor it towards the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've kept a lot of the same colors and we've kept a, the general Parisian look, mm-hmm. but we've 
like the one in Nashville is a little bit more elegant, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the one that's going to be in Franklin will be a little bit more funky because that's in cool. an actual old factory that they're redesigning um, to be restaurants and a more marketplace that's got that's going to have live music and stuff. So that will be um, a little bit more funkier than the other two locations. Very cool. So it's, it's been super fun. That's, that's super fun. Oh, amazing. I've done Shelby Jewel. That's completely different than the other two. And that is such a fun project. She was a great, fun, fun client. Um, that was very, she had a very specific, very, very neutral palette that she wanted to play off of that was her focus was a very elegant, comforting space and let the clothes speak. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously. so That's yeah, so important for a boutique. Right. Mm-hmm. So lighting design is one of my favorite things to do. And that's been the way it is through all of the restaurants. And so it should be for the customer. It should be something that's secondary. But the way that it works is... It's primary in the design. Mm -hmm. So for hers, we used a lot of different types of lighting, which highlights the paint colors in the backdrop of the place. Mm -hmm. But um, as a design, it was the forefront in in that. Wow, that's so cool. And I think, too, you would notice if it was done incorrectly, but you don't notice when it's done so well. Um, And it, I mean, Shelby Jewel is such a great such a great space to shop in. So welcoming, so open. I love the tall ceilings and the dressing rooms too. The changing rooms are amazing. Thank you. So with your process, I'm curious about, you know, when you go from maybe a residential project while you're also balancing something commercial, um, how do you transition between the different types of projects like that? Well, it's client-based. Um, obviously, there's a couple of smaller doctor's offices and things like that that I've done. That Those aren't full-scale. The ones that I told you were mostly full-scale projects. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a couple of downtown historic locations that I've worked on that don't even get portfolio mentions, obviously, also, because it's client-based, honestly. And so when it's really – my first goal is – to sit down with the client and what does the client want. Um, And then a lot of times their ideas and stuff are just far-fetched, you know, and not real, really realistic. And you look at resale value, you look at, you know, if this client ever picks up and moves, what can they take with them? Um, Or to sell the space then later on, would there have to be a re-gut and just all that kind of things? And that's the same for residential or commercial. Um, for instance, with Shelby, we used a lot of things that in the floor that she can actually, if she would ever, ever 10 years from now want to take with her, those things can go mm. with her. Or the next person, if it happens to be a retail space, can wind up using those those things. So it's client-based, um, what ultimately the client needs. Right. Absolutely. And so what questions do you ask your client to kind of figure out those more far-fetched ideas and rein those in or, you know, help them develop their vision for their space? It's the initial sit-down. It's um, like, for instance, with Chowbella, they're such a legacy to, mm-hmm. to Memphis. And their initial thing was, we don't want to change much. We have a great clientele and we want to elevate our space a little bit, but we don't want to lose our foundation customers. So they already had a brand. They already had 
some, you know, this wonderful foundation that has been there for such a long time and they had a space that people already loved. So from the get-go, they were we want to stay who we are. We want to stay who we are. Mm. But there's so many cool things happening in Memphis that we need to elevate a little bit. But they kept saying that. We don't want to lose our core clients. Yeah. So the design challenge then is how do you really carefully not lose these wonderful clients who mm-hmm. are – there to stay, but then also bring in this young hip crowd that's that's expecting these mm-hmm. cool downtown type restaurants. Right, right, right. Oh, that's a hard balance to strike, but um, and such a cool one too because you, of course, want to honor those clients who have been loyal, um, while at the same time, you know, bringing those new people in, which is yeah, that's a cool balance to strike for sure. And you know, for you, you've been so passionate about this for so long, right. and I'm. I'm curious about where, you know, you've been, you've traveled so much, you've gotten your inspiration from so many places, but where are you currently finding inspiration? Gosh, that's an interesting question. Um, we, you do the shows, um, you go to all the different markets and you do all the different shows, Mm -hmm. but I'm not somebody that follows these really cool trends because I don't like your space to look so super dated. Like I don't want, you know, a lot of clients do the shows and then they're, but then your house looks like it was done in 2020 or 2023, you know, or your space looks like it was done in like, that's all your lighting. And then you're, you knew you know that that was super trendy in that time. So I like more classic, timeless pieces in your space. Mm-hmm. So even though you do the shows during that time, you find things that are current right now, but you also go with things that are more timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my inspiration, I look everywhere. I look at other designers that I love. I constantly am fishing through magazines that um, are current, but that are older magazines as well. Right, right. Um, so you, I've got pages marked in old magazines. Um, there's styles that I particularly love that I will refer back to, but again, it's client-based. When I sit down with that and in those initial meetings, I ask them to pull up some pictures of things that they like and mm-hmm. some styles that they like, and then I take it from there. I either follow their lead or bring them some new leads and mm-hmm. kind of mix the two from there. Yeah, that's amazing. And with the timeless nature of the spaces that you design, how do you balance the look and feel of a space with the function of a space for a business? And how do those things kind of come together during your process? Okay, so let's talk about Gray's Cheese for that. Their model started out with a trip to Paris. Mm -hmm. And they went out and then they looked at all these fromageries and she just fell in love with that. Her initial style is very shiplap and country and everything, you know, in her farmhouse, very farmhouse. And so to get Jackie away from farmhouse Uh was just fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I love her. She's one of my best friends. But... you know, so her, the Parisian fromagerie and the whole cheese places and whole boutique France mm-hmm. was very forefront for her. Um, but they also visit a lot of farms for their cheese and they, they do right. travel and they go look at those things. So she loves that whole look as well. So we wanted a very sexy 
nightclub-y type of place. Their focus is education. Yeah. So they needed a space where you can come in in the afternoon that's warm and inviting, but then you turn the lights down low at night and it becomes a bar type of atmosphere where you pull out these large tables, you can have these workshops, Mm -hmm. have a glass of wine. It's a date night place. There's a patio. So it completely changes focus. Um, so with that, we were, it turned into such an amazing space and she did, she was just kind of like, you're the designer, you roll with this. Um, and it was hard for her to let go. Of course. Um, of and course. I don't know if I would be able to do that, you know, in, in a space as well and just say, okay, I trust you take over. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, it's your spot. So I, I, I completely understand yeah. that. And, and telling somebody, just trust me with this. Um, that's a big deal, especially when you're educated, you've gone to these places, you've looked at these things, you've right. got firsthand experience, you've seen it, you know it, you felt it, you, yeah, you've exactly. You've been there, you mm-hmm. know, you've traveled to Europe, you've, you've done it. So, um, that's, it, it's to let go is a big deal. But it turned out so, so, so neat. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. And that trust you were talking about and how you build that trust with your clients, how does that differ when you're doing a residential space? Residential is a whole different ballgame. Residential, I think, takes a lot more time than commercial. First of all, commercial is very fast. It's very Mm -hmm. quick. The turnaround on that is real fast. Like you have to make quick decisions. Your permitting and your timeline goes a lot faster. Residential you're there. You live in it. You mm-hmm. to to have a client make decisions is so different and then you order things and then you know you've got clients that really second guess things a lot, you know. Yeah. But I mean that's it's your spot, it's your home. You live there. You look at it all the time. So right. those projects are a lot slower. Um trust is a a, a different thing. With the residential, I think you find the referral base is a lot. You know, it's usually Mm -hmm. somebody that's loved you and that refers you. Mm -hmm. And so that line of referral comes differently. Yeah, absolutely. When you think about your home, how would you define home for you? Home, domus actually means home. It means dwelling. So Latin student here. The big geek out right there. No, we need more Latin students in the world. Come on. Uh, that's a dying language. Um, <laughs> um, so domus means dwelling. And so it it transfers from commercial and residential space because when we work, we do stay in that home environment that becomes our, our home for, you know, 10 hours out of the day now. Um, so my personal aesthetic is comfort. It's funny how... It's always it's always been French country, and now it's transitioning out of that. Now, now I'm looking at things where it's my current home is becoming more beach house. Oh, interesting! But lighting is number one in almost everything I do. I've got spotlights in my house, and I have incandescent lighting in my house, and then I have LED lighting in my house. And so <laughs> you come in there, and there's all these light switches yeah. because there's so many different. Um, again. It's warm lighting and cool lighting, and you go in, and it's different moods. And so that's a big deal um, for me still. But um, it's the I see 
as I grow up, mm-hmm. if that ever happens, um, <laughs> I see the maturity in me and mm-hmm. how I don't follow trends and how what you see is what you get. It's really, you see a lot of comfort in that. And yeah. it's a warm, inviting aesthetic. It's always been just real comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I feel like when, you know, when I've leaned into trends in the past, especially with a space, there is that feeling in the back of your mind of this is temporary. Yeah. And so then it's when you're living with it and in your house, it's like, okay, I want it to feel permanent in a way. And cause that adds that feeling of comfort, like you're talking about. Um, and I'm curious too, you mentioned that maturity for you over your professional career and how would you kind of, especially with that development of your own personal space from French country to, you know, more beach vibes, are there any like landmark moments that you can think of where those started to pivot or change? I don't, I, I would imagine that as you transition in your own life, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, you're early on, you've got a family and you're kind of more devoted to your family. And then as you, your family grows up, they don't need you as much anymore. You know, the, the children, you become your own, you get back into being who you are. And so that there's so much growth in that. Mm-hmm. And as you, the kids don't need you as much and you kind of find yourself come out more. Mm -hmm. That's when I think the beach vibe came out more. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't understand that personally, but it was funny how I was just, um, in my current house, I, everything's really white. I guess that's the, the no kids anymore. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about drawing on the walls. Right. No more crayons in the house. And, um, and, so it's it's you know really white on white and and then some a lot of blues and it's it's really I, I think that's the whole no more kids in the house I think is really where that where that comes from yeah and so probably that just you know for sure you can do what you want to do now with yourself with your space right right um, and do you feel like your kind of definition and feeling of home has changed with that how you feel in your space making it white on white or is that more relaxing for you like how has that changed it hasn't my everybody has always that comes in my house gosh it's so comfortable in here Mm. and so comfort has been key in all my space and even in my commercial spaces you find that the underlying feel of all my spaces has never been a museum it's it's never like that it's touchable it's warm they're always inviting it's it's you Everything has always been you can pick it up, you can touch it, you you feel mm-hmm. when you go into any space, even the, the homes that, that I do, the commercial, all of them, and especially mine, you're invited. You are mm-hmm. you are just hugged when you go in. Right. And I, I find that in the clients that I kind of work with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's nothing ever off-putting. And so, yes. so that's just, uh, it might be a reflection of personality, mm-hmm. but it's just really, you are invited. It's the big squeeze. You right, know, right. The, it does feel like the space has been prepared for you and for you to, you know, it, at Shelby Jewel, there's so many comfortable places to sit. If I'm trying on shoes, there's benches right there. It's like, and it feel, you feel very thought of as a client as a customer, you know, throughout your interaction in the space, which Mm -hmm. I think is um, a really cool feeling and definitely makes me more inclined to spend more money, hang out in the space more, have a longer dinner, um, all of that kind of thing. Right. 
that's all intentional. The space planning right. is we in Chabella, we looked at the space planning of that so many times. We did circular booths in the center, um, mm-hmm. which was something new for them. And they initially they were like, nope, we don't want it. Nope, we don't want it. And then it. I was just like, this is something that's really different for you guys and let's try it and let's see how it goes. And then it's just, it's really been one of the benchmarks for their newly designed space. And it's really made a difference in their, their thing. And when I worked at one of my first jobs was visual design at a company called the nature company. And that's telling my age, but, um, (laughs) that we learned a lot in that with the visual design of it, of how nature reflects art Mm -hmm. and how those, those, those threes and sevens and the fives and the, those off, um, numbers really work. And if you look at shells and things, everything is that concentric circle. Um, And so in that, that job was just brilliant in learning how the balance of those things works with your space planning and your environment. Mm -hmm. And so... That was just my favorite job probably ever other than interior design. But yeah. <laughs> um, it, it just – it would taught me so much about the balance and the, the harmony of, of places and things. Um, and that's carried through to today. And that yeah. was college. And that was a college job. Wow. You know, um, It's crazy the impact that those things that can have. Yeah. And you just carry it with you forever. Forever. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And kind of in a similar vein, what is something that you maybe learned this year or recently that you've been like, okay, wow, I'm going to keep that with me for a while? I learn balance and harmony. Yeah. <laughs> I think on every single job. Um, it just, when you work with as many different contractors and, and artisans and mm-hmm. clients and stuff that I do, it just, every di- job is completely different. Than, so many different personalities. Exactly. And it just, you learn something from every single person. And each of my clients is completely different. Each of my contractors is completely different. I have favorites that I, that I love to work with, but. But it just you, God, you get to meet so many different people in this. So I just am learning all the time. I take classes all the time in mm-hmm. lighting and, and paint yeah. um, and stuff. And it just, it's I, I'm just constantly learning, and it's great because you feel like you never get bored in this job. You're always yes. picking something up from somebody. You're always learning something new. You're always meeting people. Mm-hmm. Just it's it's just always something new completely because it's such a any creative space is ever evolving and so with this and what people want from their home or from their business like that's always going to be changing too have you noticed um recently people wanting having spent so much time at home over the past few years people wanting their space at home to function differently or feel differently yes absolutely i think when co during COVID, obviously, everybody kind of separated themselves. You know, mm-hmm. we did a lot of home construction during that time. You'd be mm-hmm. surprised people, when they were spending more time at home, everybody did home projects and they wanted more cozier spaces. And, yeah. you'd, of course, the supply and demand change chain really changed everything around. Yeah. But you found people wanting to do more elevated spaces. You found more home entertaining going on. Now people are going out more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so the the places and spaces outside of the home are are being used and, and utilized. So, yes, there's 
everyone's kind of taking a look at their environments um, more and all of these things matter and people looking at the environments. And I don't know if we really did that before. No, that's a great call. Like being more critical about, okay, how do I feel here? How do I use this space? Like it's not, you know, a place where I come and sleep. Like now this is somewhere where I want to have people over maybe more. It's a great point that, you know, I do think more people are entertaining at home, even if that's just a starting point and then we all go to dinner or, you know, however that works. I do think people are opening their homes a little bit more mm-hmm. um, than like in 2019 maybe, um, which is which is interesting and a, definitely a cool thing to watch change. Even if it's just people shopping on things like Wayfair and Amazon, mm-hmm. which, you know, those markets have opened up a lot. And I shouldn't even mention that as an interior designer. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> not everybody can do the whole interior design route. And if it's if it's what works for you just to go on Amazon and find the lights, which I don't recommend to do. But <laughs> 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 Self-plug. Right, um, right. But if, if that's what works for you and you just change out the builder-grade lights that you have in your home, it makes a difference. You know, just your bathroom lighting, you know, some wallpaper on the walls, yes. just some bright paint, um, a pop here or there. It's those things make such a difference and matter so much. Oh, yeah. um, and those you'll see just such a, a difference in the way you feel in that space mm-hmm. and your the psychology of that behind it. Yeah, um, making it your own. And you're not just sitting in a sea of gray rooms. Right. There's some wallpaper, like you said, mm-hmm. um, and that warmth the and warmth. the comfort that you obviously right. feel. Um, it, it's a really big deal. Right. Absolutely. Well, awesome. It was great chatting with you Thank today. You. It was great chatting with you. Thanks so much. I'm honored that you asked. Thank no, you. I mean, so many good things to hear and learn. And yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Every month, we are having fun bringing you the Southern Trace podcast from your host, Christian Owen, publisher of River City Lifestyle Magazine, publication director, Jeannie Tabor, and our publication manager, Kit Garrett. A sincere thank you for joining us to talk about that meaningful four-letter word, home. In April, our theme will be Explore. Don't be foolish and miss out on April Fool's 2023. Instead, tune in for the next episode launching on April 1st.